0: Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, April 19th. We're going to have a little bit of fun on today's episode as it is a Friday, bringing on two guests. You know, Max Rothman allowed me to steer the ship. He was a little bit busy at work, so of course I played with the format we're going to start out talking to our very own tennis channels, very own Tennis.com's very own Kale Hammond, obviously talk about Monte Carlo, all the incredible results going on there, but we're also going to have a little bit of fun, talk about the Roland Garros Wild Card Challenge with... USCA play-by-play announcer and guy who is covering these events and calling these matches on the scene, Mike Cation, I'm sure you've heard of him before, at Mike C. Tennis, he does the Cation cast, as I mentioned, he's the play-by-play voice you hear when you're watching challenger matches, so really fun Friday episode for you, before we get into that, just want to send you a reminder, this is your last chance to get to apply for this week's CR Gear Challenge if you leave a five-star review on our mini-break podcast. Yes, it has to be a five-star Four-star, not totally disqualifying, but it will certainly weigh on our minds when we're picking the winner. Leave a review, leave your Instagram handle, Twitter handle, email address, whatever it is. We are going to be picking one winner at random. That person going to receive some free CR gear. It may be a hat. It may be a pocket tee. It may be a date with Alex Gruskin. I'm telling you, those are very fun. So put yourself in this contest. You don't want to miss out. But with that being said... Enjoy my the beginning of my conversation with Hale, and later on, my conversation with Mike Cation, and of course, enjoy your weekend. Joining me now on the mini break to break down all of today's action in Monte Carlo. You know him from his roles on Tennis.com, Tennis Channel, and of course, his work with us at Cracked Rackets. Cale Hammond, welcome back to the Mini Break Podcast.
1: Well, thank you, sir. I'm happy to be back. It's been like a I week know- since I've been on. It's far too long. I missed you guys.
0: And I know you had a fun day covering all of the upsets in Monte Carlo.
1: Yeah, today was nuts. Today was today was funny. I was I was uh, about to head into work. Um, my my uh, coworkers took the early shift. I had sort of the later shift. And I was about to leave, and then and then all these upsets kept happening, and so they needed us to you know crank out some content um, about these upsets, um, just you know to get to get some stuff online. So you're first, like that's pretty big. If you can be the first you know tennis website to crank out an article, then you're you're the one getting all the clicks because um, you're the only huh. one there. So that was pretty time sensitive. So I was like, all right, um, I guess I'll stay home because I was about to leave. And I was like, I guess I'll stay home and crank out these articles. And then I was enjoying working from home, and I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll just, you know, I guess something, <laughs> if anyone asked, something came up, and I had to, I had to work from home, so <laughs> yeah, I had a we nice, relaxing day. I didn't
0: say, we can leave the story there, but it sounds like you got a chance to catch all of the action in Monte Carlo, and it was, it was an upset-filled day. There were also some guys who played some fantastic tennis. We're going to talk about all of that now. The first match I think we have to start with the headline match and it was funny because our friend and usual co host of this pod, the Great Shot Podcast, Max Rothman, has gotten into tennis betting recently and he was all about gambling on the over for FAA's VRF and he would have lost that bet, so he didn't want to do it first on yesterday's podcast. Yeah,
1: that's that's a that's a bad decision by him. I was I was not on that at all, yeah, that bet. I um I mean backtracking a bit obviously here, but for me, the angle that i saw with that one was pretty clear as day and every you got this kid faa who's everyone's talking about who's like one well, you know the hottest young name in tennis um, pretty much versus zverev who's you know been the been the top young gun for now going on 3 years that one to me was pretty obvious uh, that zverev you know was going to do everything he could to you know stomp out you know, the hype surrounding uh, Felix. Like, he had a lot riding on that one. Because if Zverev comes and loses to Felix, now who's the top dog? Like, yeah, Zverev has ten titles still. He's obviously still the top dog. But um, he's he's been going through some lately. Let's just uh, put it that way. He has not won consecutive matches since um, ATP Acapulco. Which is a pretty bad look for the world number three.
0: It's funny... Zverev's match was not the one I was going to start with, but I think that's absolutely where we can begin. He follows up that tremendous performance against FAA, losing today 7-6, 6-1 against a Fabio Fognini who was just slapping winners from every part of the court. I mean, Kale, do you think Zverev had a hangover? Do you think it was just Fognini after taking that first set? Zverev sort of fell apart. I thought Zverev was just playing too passively overall. What did you see today out of him?
1: I see the same thing that I it, to me it's sort of a recurring theme, and I could be completely wrong, but when if you ask me what I think, I just see a guy who cares a little too much about the result, um, and and not as much as about the process. You know, if this guy has all the, like the, the guy's ground strokes. The guy the guy is so solid and hits the ball so big from both wings. You know his mental state seems a little fragile right now like he's just so quick to break down and let something you know affect his you know his positive outlook and his determination on the court um he's he's definitely mentally erratic right now and i believe that it's a product of him you know wanting it too bad he's a very competitive kid he's got a a very big ego a lot of pride and I think he wants it so bad that he's letting that get in the way of his play. If he was just able to relax and let the process and game speak for itself, the results would take care of themselves. Six foot six freak athlete, um, uh, you know, he's unbelievable. But I, that's what I think. I think he just cares a little too much. And I could be completely wrong, but I felt that way for a while.
0: The way that attitude manifests itself on the court, at least today against Fognini, he was just playing so passively. He's so far behind the baseline and for a guy who can generate as much firepower at will as Alex Verov can, that's just not the thing he should be doing. Now, to Fognini's credit, you look at some of the stats from this, he protected his serve well, uh, holds or makes 65% of his first serve, 75% of those first serve points he wins, wins 64% of his second serve points, only faces one break point on the day. He did a great job dictating and in particular when Zverev threw in second serves you know Fognini holds him to a 37% win percentage on his second serve points but I just thought Zverev was not willing to take chances as you mentioned in that second set he started you know kind of throwing his tantrum looking at the box throwing his racket doing all the things you do when things aren't going your way and this is not to take away from Fabio Fognini but yeah Zverev just he didn't he didn't have a second effort there was no second win from him in that second set
1: yeah, and that's a good point, and that's a product of of him being erratic emotionally. You know, if you're if you're so if you're up and down emotionally, um, sometimes it, the match just gets away from you, and you know there's nothing you can do. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, let's also not forget that Fognini's money on clay. The guy's seven of his eight ATP titles are on clay. It's his preferred surface. It's his best surface, and the guy's really good. And when he's on. He can, you know, he's, when he's on, he's as good as anyone
0: it's hilarious to be ca- talking about mental ups and downs Fabio Fognini embracing this crowd in Monte Carlo they're propelling him on he's playing his best tennis of the year right now yeah he's just slapping winners at any point his contact point this the way he hits the ball it's so beautiful so natural he glides around on that clay I mean yeah we talk about Alex Vera because he's the you know the, the king that was pro- or the prince that was oh, he's promised, the, future. Right? That's the game of thrones yeah and so there's all of that but Fognini played excellent today. Definitely a guy we should be watching throughout the rest of this tournament. Any final thoughts on this match?
1: Um, no final thought is just like if anyone out there is playing, if there's one thing you can emulate from a Fabio Fognini, it's his posture on the tennis court. That guy's posture on the tennis court is unbelievably impressive, how he's able to just, you know, bend at the knees and just glide around like you could put a glass of water on the guy's head and it would it wouldn't (laughs) fall over that's just that's it's just talent and ability but if you can do anything if you can keep those level shoulders and your head still moving side to side you're gonna hit a lot cleaner ball and uh make make a few a few less errors so i don't
0: think i've ever heard anyone compliment someone's posture on a tennis court i love it i completely agree with you it's like uh, the du- the thirty for thirty with uh, Bud or the Dupree running back. They used to say that about him or Ed Dickerson in the SMU one. I think they make that statement. Yeah, pilot.
1: Marcus Dupree. Yeah, the posture yeah, that he yeah. runs with and how people just glide off of him. You know, I'm an Oklahoma boy, so that's that's near and dear to my heart. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> I'm, you're becoming a bigger fan of you every day.
0: <laughs> anything to keep you coming back, Kale. Well, let's move on to our next match. This was the one I thought we were going to start with the headline match, in my opinion, of the day. One of the growing rivalries of the young next-gen ATP players, one's block the other on Instagram. It's as petty as it can get. Daniil Medvedev takes out Stefano Tsitsipas, 6-2, one uh, I will give credit to Max Rothman because we talked about this one yesterday. He hit the over. Win for him. Hey, great shot to you. I mean Medvedev is just such a tricky out and as well as Stefanos played at times of this match it's just he just lingers he lingers he lingers and eventually he hits a few big serves that you don't expect and Medvedev wins the match.
1: Yeah, I wrote about this one um in my matches to watch column for tennis.com yesterday and uh let me let me pull this up. I'm trying to see exactly what I said. But before I uh, while I pull this up, I just I just want to know like I mean, how much real estate does Medvedev own in Tsitsipas's head? It's just insane. Like four and all time. Four and all time. I mean, and so yeah. Here I wrote it. I said, according to the Vegas odds makers, Tsitsipas is a slight favorite. However, Medvedev will have. Extra motivation against Poss, who might be his least favorite player on tour. Look for the <laughs> Russian to dig deep and extend his head-to-head to 4-0. Four to four Sometimes players just have your number, and I believe Medvedev will have it even on his least favorite surface. And this is because, all stemming back to the video, if you haven't seen it, you have to watch it, where the two got into a heated exchange at the 2018 Miami Open. And they said some things that you just can't take back. Um, after the match, Poss called Medvedev a Russian. Um... Which is not what you want to say to a six foot six Russian dude, um, whose last name is Medvedev, the prime minister's last name is Medvedev. I don't know if there's any correlation. Maybe not. Who knows? I
0: always there, love a good history. Can't <laughs>
1: neither confirm or deny. Um, but yeah, and so after after that, uh, he's called him bullshit Russian, and then and then Medvedev goes, "Hey, you better shut your f- up." And then he went up to the net and talked to him, and he said, hey, Stefanos, look at me, look at me, Stefanos, look at me," and like stefanos wouldn't even look at the guy if you call someone a russian and then you don't even look at him you're and medvedev knows that steph is a and he's not going to lose to him and that's the that's that. That's the facts. Like Medvedev is such like he's a man and Stefanos is a boy. Like you cannot get mentally dominated and emasculated in such a manner and then go out and have the confidence and determination to beat him on the tennis court. He double faulted on match point. I mean, that's as clear as anything. <laughs> Since he double faults on match point against Medvedev down 4-5, You double fault on match point. It's, it's in your head. You
0: I can't think not double fault on
1: match point. A professional yeah. tennis player. What the the, mo- what? the most am- yeah the most amazing number
0: from this match Medvedev makes only 38% of his first serves still wins 80% of his first serve points 51% of his second serve points uh gets broken 3 times but breaks CT pass 4 times I mean yeah it Medvedev was pulling out drop shots I think C I don't have the unforced error count but CT was the one who was making the errors? He was the one who was trying to force the issue. You know, Medvedev's happy to play neutral balls all day. I, I, what do I know about them being in each other's head? But the fact that Medvedev was able—I think you know—the rage, Tsitsipas came out within the
1: second set. Dude, he, he was is not so losing far this match. head—it's absurd. Yeah, and it was like, incredible. You cannot deny it at this point. Even they were talking about it on Tennis Channel Live, which is a relatively conservative talk show, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> James Blake, the tournament director in Miami, even admitted that Medvedev's inside Titsy head. And he wants to sweep that incident under the rug, obviously, because he's the, the uh, tournament director. So if he's even commenting on it, you know, it's pretty apparent, if you ask me. You've seen that video, right?
0: Yeah, of course. No, th- that was one of the incidents of last season. One of the highlights.
1: Yeah, it was absolutely one of the highlights. And I mean, <laughs> just to get—just I said I wrote. I wrote. Medvedev owns their head-to-head three to zero, and he owns the face-to-face confrontation one to zero. <laughs> 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 It's just like, dude, like the guy <laughs> mentally dominates Tsitsipas because they have that confrontation and pos won't even look at the guy. You call him a bullshit and then you don't even look at him. That, my friend, is a very soft move.
0: Yeah, I think that's perfect. I think we can leave that match there. Uh, let, let's run through some of the other results from the day real quickly, and if you have any thoughts, obviously, Kale, feel free to stop me. Number two seed Rafael Nadal plays Grigor Dimitrov, beats him 4-1. Four, uh, four and one. I believe he now moves to 12-1 and one in the career head-to-head. Dimitrov played well in the first set but just rough on the clay, nasty.
1: Yeah, you give Dimitrov a match like this versus, you know, the the clay court goat, uh, absolutely no pressure, nothing to lose whatsoever. That's that's Dimitrov's ideal situation. As unfortunate enough as that is, um, now in his at this point in his career, I mean, what is what is Dimitrov ranked right now? Uh, he yeah, I is I think
0: like 28, 26. Which is like which that. is
1: unacceptable. Unacceptable yeah. for an athlete of his caliber, and you know a former world number one junior. It's just, it, it's acceptable because he's a cajillionaire, laughing all the way to the bank. But I think I think the ship has sailed on any, you know, Dimitrov Grand Slam contention talk, which is sort of sad because he was in the he was in the mix for a few years, and and now I just I don't see it. I don't I don't see the desire. Uh, I don't, that, I don't when... see the confidence.
0: When you're that handsome you have a slightly higher margin for error. Yeah, he is but he's live now, 40- so it's like yeah. it's like you know, it's like
1: if if now's the time, bro. Like now's the time. <laughs>
0: yeah, and as you say, live ranking number forty three. It's it's I mean, he's still a dangerous player, but yeah, he needs to streak together some results. Round of sixteen here, not bad. Nothing you can do when you run against Rafa, but He's got to make a push as we approach the French Open. Uh, some other results on the grounds: Novak Djokovic breezes through his match with Taylor Fritz six three six zero. It's not no disrespect to Fritz, but it's just how is he going to hurt Novak Djokovic? Uh,
1: with his serving for him, but on clay, you know, it's 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 not Djokovic is going to get to too many balls. Uh, and the return Fritz. he I neutralizes mean,
0: fact- returns.
1: Yeah, I mean, too, you're yeah. right, you're right. His serve on clay is not as effective. But, it, you know, it's, he's, if a 140 serve is a 140 serve. Yeah, so sure. um, there's that. But, uh, I mean, the fact that he got this far is a huge win for, for Taylor Fritz. Beating a guy like Diego Schwartzman on red clay for Taylor Fritz is about as big a win as you could ask for.
0: And I know he retired, but he also got a win over Sanga in the first round. Plus, for Taylor, he's the only American in this event.
1: Not too bad. No, go go in there, and represent. Good, good for him. It's it's yeah. it was a good thing to see. Yeah, another great win from a young player. Borna
0: Chorich knocks out a hot who Huber Air Bear six four six two. Chorich from the ground strokes uh, from the baseline, just so so dangerous right now. The way he's opening up the backhand down the line for himself, pelting inside out forehands, pelting backhands, cross court. He's developing some nice patterns and just given how physically imposing he can be on the court, so dangerous come French Open
1: time. That, that guy, is his fitness level is just through the roof. Nuts. Is through the roof. The guy spent over six hours on court in his first two matches and he's able to bounce back and beat you know, a very talented air bearer four and two. He had a funny tweet today. He's like – he had a picture of himself smiling and he's like, when you realize you don't have to play three hours every match. It's like – no, it's, 'Cause it's well, so true. torch is the king of like long match. Anytime you see torch playing like a good guy, you know, like the over is a pretty good bet. Um and for it's George. Phony,
0: the five one game in the second set, Air Bear serving to stay alive, it was a sixteen minute game. So yeah, even at the end of today it was a struggle towards the finish line.
1: Yeah, that was one of the articles that I was cranking out. Oh, I cranked out the article about zvera Fognini upset and I was like, Fognini will play Born a Chorich because he was up 6-4-5-1 uh, with a match point, and then I did it and then I submitted it and then I was like, Poss won that game. Oh crap! I got to go back and CMS and edit it because like it's unprofessional to like have a live article, you know, when like they're still playing. I mean, he was gonna he was gonna win, but he, he I think he he lost like a game or two in a row, so I had to go in there and change it. It was a little annoying, but no, good move it's fun. I mean, get- Chorich ch- his fit like his fitness level is just. Uh, Look look control the controllables, I always say everyone always says that. that's not my quote. Everyone says that, sorry. But but control the controllables and his fitness level, I mean it's is just is amazing. He's just a bulldog out there. And I think the match between him and Fognini tomorrow is gonna be it's gonna be awesome.
0: And we will talk about that one in a moment. Real quickly, these last couple results. Pay over Chachanato in three. Sinego over Cam Nori two and five. The Home crowd loving Senegal. Not necessarily home crowd, but he's an Italian player, and they love him there in Monte Carlo. And then the last one I want to talk about deuce on the deuce Lagovic knocks out number four seed dominic team six three six three. now you know for dominic team this is his sixth appearance in monte carlo and he's only made one quarter final round there in his career so not that shocking with that sort of context but i mean considering the deuce has a one-handed backhand as well it was crazy the way to see the way he was hitting team around the court
1: uh, yeah yeah credit to Deuce on the guy's the guy's top 50 in the world now i mean he he was a guy who was hovering around like the hundreds and like the the you know the low hundreds and the 80s and 90s, for a while. So uh, it's good to see guys like that get hot, and break through. You know, cause there's no reason not to. You're playing enough tennis, you're bound to get hot a couple weeks, and this is one of those weeks. The guy's, the guys on fire, and he took out Dominic Team in straight sets. Team didn't play that bad. The guy just absolutely blitzed him off the court, and that you know, it's unlucky for Team, and it's good credit to Dusan.
0: I agree, and just two other stats real quick before we preview uh, tomorrow's action. For Borna Chorich, this is his third Masters quarterfinal in his last five Masters events. Obviously, this speaks to the next-gen asserting themselves he's one of those guys certainly at the front of the pack. In terms of the first three uh, Masters events played thus far, seven players have made the first Masters quarterfinal of their career. Perkach, Kasmanovic, FAA, Tiafo, Medvedev, Pea, Sinego, everyone but Pea, 23 or under on that list. So that's crazy. The last year with the same number of first win, uh, first quarterfinals after the three Masters events, 1993. So again, there are just all of these spaces, all of these openings for these players to make runs. And it's great to see some of these guys continue to do it. Bordechorich, again, one of those guys who seems to be doing it more frequently. And that kind of gets us into tomorrow's matches uh that's that's the match you're looking forward to most right is it that Fognini or Medvedev Djokovic
1: Hmm, that was a good little the, the thing you did reeling off all those new names. I, I tweeted I tweeted that this morning after Senegal won. I said something like, "So many fresh faces in 2019, <laughs> you know, with Christian Gearing and and Casper Root and Casper uh, Root and just like so many new guys, you know, making a name for themselves, which is cool to see. It hasn't been like that in a while. This is definitely we've definitely had more uh, you know breakthrough performances this year than any year I can remember." Especially Laszlo on Jure the women's is like, side, too. They have 18 different winners, 18 tournaments. How crazy is yeah, that?
0: You know, even just on the men, uh, Laszlo Jur is like 23 as well. He has a title this year. And yeah, on the women's side, Andrescu, Osaka, I mean, Kennen
1: yeah no, 18 tournaments 18 different um title winners which is crazy but uh, for tomorrow the match I'm yeah I mean I'm I think that Fognini chorich has potential to be the like the best match you know like a classic type match you get the the fight of choric versus the talent um of Fognini on the clay with the crowd behind him he's swinging loose he's swinging free I think Fognini is going to to win that match. Um, I I do I mean like I know Chorich's Fitness is fantastic But here's a situation Where you got Fognini Who just beat Zverev Today uh, Pretty Pretty comprehensively And he got that Nice little default From Jill Simone In the round of 32 And in the round of 32 Barna Chorich was on court For 2 hours And 56 minutes
0: so that's very true, and I think I made this point yesterday. But for George he did have that day off uh, yesterday. So today, you know, he did whatever it's worth. You know, these guys are all so fit. So just to even have a day off, if we want to consider Borna George as a French Open uh, contender, he's got to be able to string together back-to-back matches like this. I think it's good for George that he had the opportunity to play Air Bear, another guy who wants to take risks, you know, hit big down the line. So what Fognini's trying to do won't be completely foreign to him.
1: Yeah, I'm- Clay, that's a bad matchup for Air Bear just because Torch gives you nothing. Um, you know, like Air Bear would have to come out and hit 48 winners to win <laughs> that match.
0: True. Yeah, and so, but I mean, so will Fognini, right? Because Torch is going to make you earn everything.
1: Yes, yes, but, you know, like Fognini and Air Bear on Clay, it's two completely different levels. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. It's it's two it's two different levels, and the level that Fognini can get to on the clay when he's feeling good um, is about as high as it gets. I mean, you remember that match, I can 2015 U.S. Open where Fognini yeah. beat Nadal. Yeah, and you just slapped away. That was one. Yeah, I mean, that like the guy can get to that level, which is yeah. like maximum level. So he has the talent to reach the top level of all levels, which he did and against also- Nadal. And so, so that's what I. That's why I think that he's gonna. I mean, Air Bears is a great player, very talented, grew up on Clay's from France, but look, his game is bad for Clay. Yeah.
0: And it's also true that Chorch can get a little bit antsy. You know, he starts spraying the forehand, really trying to go after that, pulling the trigger too soon. If Agnini starts stringing winners together, Chorch may try and get a little more aggressive. That's when the errors come out. I mean, they've played once in their career. It was all the way back, I believe, in 2014. Uh, and it was on outdoor clay. That was a 3 set match, but obviously five years for Borna
1: Chorch. He's now 22 years old. He's yeah, it's 22. a lifetime. That's a lifetime. As yeah, far as exactly the tennis that. goes, I think that Medvedev... Djokovic, they could have some rallies that could just be you know, that just be ridiculous. As as clean and as hard as these two guys hit the ball. Medvedev hits the ball, like one thing I notice about him is like he hits the ball six inches from the baseline almost every time. Like the depth of shot that he gets is is extremely impressive and it's tough to handle. You know, if the guys—it doesn't matter what service you're on, it doesn't matter what's happening. If the guy's hitting the ball really hard, six inches from the baseline, it's gonna be tough, no matter what. You
0: talk about posture. Medvedev's a knee bender. It's unbelievable how low he can get.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And he—he's tall. I was—I was standing next to him in Indian Wells. He is very tall. He is—he's yeah. He's every bit of six foot six.
0: Sneaky good mover, sneaky good serve. It's going to be a battle. Uh, you know, I, I have my cation coming out in a little bit, so I, 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 it's going to be an hour long episode for sure. But whatever. Um, give me a pick, George Fognini. You said you're leaning Fognini. Yeah,
1: I think Fognini in straights, Honestly, yeah. I've I'll got take pre- George. I've got a pretty good feeling about fog in this one.
0: I've t- I'll take George seven six. No, no, no. Six four, six seven, six two.
1: I don't like that. And then and then Djokovic I think is gonna is gonna get the better of Medvedev because like look, you're playing Daniel Medvedev, he's shown this tournament. Well he used to suck on clay. Like it used to be like, oh, he's bad on clay, statistically. And then this week he's shown he lost five games in his first two matches and then he beat Sitsipas. So he's shown that he can play very good tennis on clay, which is a welcome sight. Um and it's good for because a lot of the season is on clay, so that's good if he wants to keep that ranking. You know, up in the top ten where it belongs. If he can do it on all surfaces, it's important. Right. It's important for him. But um, yeah, you I think, just can't pick against Djokovic. No, in this in this match, no, it's tough to pick against Djokovic. But in this, like, here's what's gonna happen. I think Djokovic is gonna have to. You know, he sometimes rips that forehand angle cross, where he sort of leans back and gets that extra, you know, angle and height on the shot. Um, and then he stretches Medvedev out wide to the forehand. And Medvedev does this play every time, which is a fantastic play. I do it as well, just like on one-tenth as well as Medvedev. Like, you're out of position. You're a you're tall, tall guy, big strokes. You can hit it high, heavy, and safe and get back to another point. Or you can slap the s*** out of it as hard as you possibly can and get it on your opponent so quickly that they'll give you a weak reply. And that's what Medvedev is incredible at doing is when he's out of position, he can hit the ball so hard that he'll get a weak reply, and he can sometimes hit a winner off. Like He'll be out of position, slap it, and then he'll be back on the court, and he can hit another winner. So I think Djokovic is just going to need to be ready. When Medvedev does slap it, when he gets off the court, uh, Djokovic is going to need to pounce on that ball and redirect it to the open court pretty quickly. And if he can do that, um, I think he'll be able to break him twice in in two sets.
0: I agree with you. Djokovic 4-4 and seems like the play to me.
1: Yep, that's what I'm thinking too.
0: All right, real quick then, the other two matches, Nadal, Pea,
1: all Nadal. I mean, yeah, it's tough. What are you going to do? The guys, yeah. yeah, the guys a marvel to behold on clay. He's a beast.
0: All right, and then the deuce versus Sinego, who you have?
1: I'm going to go with the deuce, man. The guy just <laughs> seems to be playing at a higher level. Sinego um, has the UTR advantages on the clay, I think, but... Um, I, I like look Dusan Lajovic. If if you beat Team six three and six three um, in Monte Carlo, I'm just gonna ride with you um, until Shout you play out. one of those top guys. Shout out to you for dropping the UTR reference. Always a fan of that. Uh, yeah, there are partners. I mean, I, the the, the <laughs> daily columns that I write, the match previews um, are intertwined with UTR. I've got the UTR ratings and the rankings in every single one of each matchup. Um, you know, just try and get the word out there. Today, like, it, sometimes it's bad though because today, like. Um, Fognini and Chorich like I guess Fognini was hurt or something but like the clay court UTR for these guys was like s- it was like 15.69 for Chorich and it was like 15.01 for Fognini and it's like on a 16.5 scale like .57 is a big difference <laughs> and like I get that, like, there's some things that, like, you know, need to be fed into the algorithm for it to spit out a more accurate number. And maybe Fognini didn't have the match results or the wins yet this year. But you got to fix that. Like, the, come on. Like, the guy's, like, he's ranked, like, the 90th clay court player in the world right now. He's got seven of his eight titles on clay. I didn't understand it at all. I talked to my editor. I was like, I don't get this. I mean, I've got the UTR's numbers in here, like, but I don't understand why is rated so low. Um, but good for me because now I can uh, pick against Fognini and uh, call it a big upset and look cool <laughs> when it happens because it's going to happen tomorrow. All right.
0: I'm all about it. Well, then, Kale, any final thoughts to give some plugs? Where can our listeners find more of your work?
1: Oh, follow me on Instagram at Kale Hammond, C-A-L-E-H-A-M-M-O-N-D. I've got some fun. Fun content of you know playing tennis with some with some celebrities in L.A. Just cheesing and schmoozing my way, weaseling my way around the tennis community in L.A. It's a tough. Sold a good bit of my soul living out here. That's for sure. I definitely had a soul. I'm a nice boy from Oklahoma, but now <laughs> living in L.A. for four years has has changed me. I I no longer have a soul. So, but I've got a pretty fun Instagram. So check it out and uh, throw me a follow if you if you are kind enough to do so.
0: When you talk about a soul, it could be worse, you could be from LA and be a ginger, and then you know for sure <laughs> Max Rothman has no soul.
1: Oh, that's amazing. Nice <laughs> little South Park reference there. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, we can Alrighty, that's it for you. That's um, that's good for me, man. I uh, this has been fun, as usual.
0: Yeah, let's wrap up there, Kale. Thank you as always, uh, listeners. Again, check out his stuff at Kale Hammond, and hopefully, we'll talk to you soon.
1: Thank you, sir. Enjoy the tennis. You waking up early to watch it? Ugh, uh, that's a no. no. Yeah, I,
0: I so I did it for zero FAA. I can't do it tomorrow. I'm too tired.
1: Yeah, well, I got to work it tomorrow, so I'll be up and at him. Oh bright for sure. well, uh, but yeah, my t- bright and early is is 8:30 a.m. Your time, so yeah, let's. Uh, sure. I will say this. this is my parting thought. I had no <laughs> idea when I traveled to Charleston. I was like, okay, three hour time difference. So you know, whatever. East Coast wake up. I'll be fine. I'm a tough kid. That three hours makes a huge difference. I did not know huge. that waking up on the East Coast was that freaking hard. <laughs> it, when you lose those three hours, it was it was eye opening.
0: No, the struggle is real. I'm telling you.
1: All right. Well, it's late. You got to get to bed. No, way.
0: for sure. But if I'm not sure which way you roll, but enjoy your Easter weekend. Enjoy your Passover either way, and we will talk to you Easter soon. Easter for me, dog. <laughs> Perfect. Well, then it's the best of both worlds on this podcast. <laughs> oh. But all right, Kale. Take care. Peace. Joining me now on the Mini Break Podcast. We are so thrilled to have him coming from us live from Sarasota, where he is doing the play by play for the USTA Pro Circuit. Uh, I would refer to him, and my father's name is Michael, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. The second most important Michael in my life, Mike Katian. Welcome to the Mini Break Podcast.
2: Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, that's awkward, but cool.
0: <laughs> well, it's just so nice to have you back uh, on the stream. And I want to ask you, we'll start do I, there. Is do I have
2: it... to call you son? <laughs>
0: I'd be honored. Oh, boy. Okay. (laughs) Um, But let's just start there. You're back on the scene. The USTA Pro Circuit is live and back in action, obviously, to add to the context. Not only is it the start of the clay season in terms of the U.S. challengers, but we've also got the French Open wildcard challenge now starting. Have you felt the vibes on the ground be different with that sort of pressure on these players? Not yet. It
2: always happens the second week. Um, and and generally like that thursday or friday of the second week when once, once people start to actually think about points um start trying to actually do some math um which is hard for a lot of players <laughs> um but no this this week has been much more uh, for so many of these guys just kind of getting their their legs underneath them um you've got let's see 1 2 uh 3 four, four four americans in the quarterfinals now um and all four guys do need the wild card to get into the french main draw um so you know you, you start to think about it here um now that the weekend comes a little bit but for, for right now the pressure's not on these guys
0: and if you could, for our listeners who aren't aware of the French Open Wildcard Challenge, what that yep. is, and I was promoting it to Rothman earlier in the week on our mini break, and he was like, come on, these episodes are long enough, Like, save that for another <laughs> time. And why, so I am like, all right, I'm, call- I'm texting Mike Cation because he's right there for all of the action. Uh, can you explain what this event is and how much an opportunity like getting a main draw wildcard means to the players on the challenger level?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, the basics are that there's three events here coming up um, these three weeks. It's the Sarasota Open, the Elizabeth Moore Sarasota Open. Next week we'll be in Tallahassee, Savannah, the week after that. Um, the top American, um, their top two results um, count towards their total, um, and the top American gets the wild card into the main draw of the French. Um, in terms of what it means, A, uh, it's just the guaranteed paycheck of, I guess it's going to be somewhere around forty five, fifty thousand dollars 50000 which for most of these guys in terms of their paying for their travel, it's massive. Um, you make all four grand slams in a year, uh, main draw, you're going to be completely fine, um, settled, making some money regardless of the rest of your results. Um, you think about a guy like Marcos Giron, the opportunity to be in the French Open for the first time would be a massive thing for him. Tommy Paul, the junior champion a couple of years ago there. Um, Sebastian Corda, who's a, a quarterfinalist now here in Sarasota that's huge and Tennis Sangren he's right now seven spots out um, he might still sneak in if, if guys withdraw but he you know he's going to need that wild card too after um, a pretty disappointing start to the year after Auckland so um, a, a lot at stake for these guys and, and like I said and in, in just in terms of the financial stability that's the main reason why they're they're pushing so hard for these wild cards
0: you look at some of the past winners of this event, Noah Rubin last year, Tennis Sandgren 2017, Bjorn Fertangelo, uh Francis Tiafo 2015, we all remember his run then. The other yeah. one that sticks out to me on this list, the Brian Baker run in 2012, mm. that had yeah. to have been special. Uh, so yeah, this is certainly something uh, casual tennis fans you should be aware of. Even though you know Monte Carlo takes up a lot of attention because it's the first Masters clay event of the year, you know there's just as important things going on on the challenger level this week. And some of the guys you mentioned, I want to get into them. And again, I want to be conscious of your time because you spent yeah, all course. day on the live stream, and God no, knows you good. talk enough.
2: Yeah, it, it, it's it, you mentioned Brian Baker, and I want to just mention he's here. Um, he's coaching now. Um, working with Ty Kwiatkowski um, specifically here, uh, on top of it, he's giving some advice to Tennis Sandgren, who's been a, a guy who lives in Nashville there. It's great to see Bakes back out here. But, yeah, those the, I mean, they're special runs when you're able to have a nice challenger uh, lead in into the French Open just to have that confidence as well. Um, so it, it is really special, and, and I think for a lot of the guys, especially with so many Americans not playing um, in Monte Carlo this week, I, I
0: think the focus of American tennis should be here in Sarasota. And there are so many guys right now. You look at that rankings range, 80 to 120. And, you know, the guys closer to 80, Dennis Kudla, Bradley Klon, are probably, you know, more likely they're not going to get in on their ranking. But it's still so important, as you mentioned, the Sandgrins, the Marcos Girones who make the quarterfinal this week. He's coming off of that Indian Wells performance, so it's great to see him. But one guy you mentioned who's just getting healthy and makes a quarterfinal here, I think his second appearance of the year, uh, Tommy Paul, who played qualifying in Houston, uh, knocks off uh, Daniel Galan, who was very hot coming into this match two six six one six one. I know he was on the non-streaming court, so you didn't get to see that match today. But just yep. in general, what's your vibe being around Tommy? How does he look? How has he said he's feeling? Um, it, it, good. He actually
2: has a really. I think. Every time I've seen him come back from a delay or an injury, um, being away from the court, he seems to have just that really positive mindset, which I think for him moving forward is going to be kind of important for him and and the staff around him to think about in terms of scheduling and giving him breaks. I think that's actually very important for Tommy. Um, But he seems to be in a really good spirits. Um, and, And that's, I have to say, he's one of the most enjoyable players to watch Um, when he is healthy and moving. I I don't know that there are too many players who are more entertaining when they are just laser-focused. He's a good one. And tomorrow, he plays Paolo Lorenzi. And this is a—I mean, this is Tommy Paul's match to lose. Paolo Lorenzi today—and I know you wanted to talk about the the matchup, Lorenzi uh, defeating Noah Rubin, 4-1, retired in the third set. But Lorenzi was— dead on his feet in the deep in the second set today and the fact that he's got to turn around he played doubles today as well and come against a, a fresh resurgent potentially tommy paul i mean that's that's tommy paul's match to win tomorrow
0: you talk about laser focus and we will get to the ruben thing this is why yeah. as i mentioned we're a natural duo you're already working <laughs> towards the transition, uh, but. From the Tommy Paul's perspective, him being lasered in and focused, two stats from his match today that really stick out. He saved an, uh, nine of the 11 break points he faced. It's not as though Gallon didn't have opportunities to attack with his forehand the way it is, but Tommy was just moving particularly well. It's so fun to see him on a clay a surface. He's clearly so natural and adept at moving on. The other thing he did really well, converting five of his six break chances. It, you know, it's the little things like that because, you know, two six six one six one seems lopsided, but there were a yeah. ton of deuces in this in this match today. And for him, you know, coming into this match with not a lot of um matches under his belt in 2019. It's a great result to see. Yeah, you
2: can generally tell from Tommy Paul within the first four games what you're going to see within a day. Um, if you see him moving you know, with some, some fluidity in those first four games, you know you're going to get a good performance. On the other hand, you see him come out flat. That's how it's going to be the whole time. Um, and it's been that kind of inconsistency for him as he matures, grows up just a little bit. Um, but I'm, I'm happy to hear that, that he was moving so well today. I, I'd gotten that report actually from multiple sources today. And again, like you mentioned, I was broadcasting on another court, didn't get to see him. But yeah, multiple people actually sought me out to tell me that he looked fantastic today. Um, I'm really excited to see that match tomorrow. On um, the center court,
0: you mentioned the words maturity. I think that's the perfect way to transition to our other match. And I'm going to try and do this by age group in terms of organizing these results. Sure. Noah Rubin today, a, a complete lapse. It's just so unlike him to have this sort of mental lapse that he did. You know, he is cruising up six to, I believe, five four, maybe five three in that second set. It was down a break. He actually leveled it. Oh, Um, he leveled it back for five all. It was the other way. That's correct, yeah. And so at that point, you're thinking it's all systems go, and then the wheels just fall off. Can you kind of talk us through what happened there? Yeah, I'll try to summarize
2: it best I can. Um, He had a mental lapse early in the second set where he – it was a, a crowd that was very supportive, very loud for Paolo Lorenzi, who does live in Sarasota. Hence, it was kind of a hometown crowd for him. Um, but he Noah just kind of let that get to him for a couple minutes. He got broken. It was a very casual game while he was not quite focused. He missed a couple break chances. So that kind of set the stage, was able to just work his way back, got the break back, had plenty of chances actually late in the second to actually go up a break um, and close it out in two, wasn't able to do it. There was a moment in a tie break. Um, where there was a dispute on a call, I had several people on Twitter who told me that the chair umpire uh, picked the wrong mark i can 't tell that myself that was just what I re- received on Twitter, but Noah lost it um, and he actually he dropped a, a f bomb that was a bad one. He just said you this is you no he, you are effing ridiculous um, to the chair umpire. He then went on to lose that tiebreak a couple points later, hits a ball out of the stadium. So down a point penalty at that point to start the third set on his serve. Gets broken to love. Lorenzi gifts a game right back, so it's one all. Then Ruben again gets broken, I think, to 15. So down a break 2-1. Lorenzi easy hold to 3-1. On the uh, next game, Ruben serves first serve. Return from Lorenzi clips the net. And all of a sudden, no, Ruben's left calf seizes up. Immediately has to just stop. Lorenzi saying, "Hey, you can't get treatment for um, a cramp," but Ruben starting to walk towards the chair. The trainer is coming out, and Ruben, in frustration, just about the whole situation, smashes his racket. Game penalty, so down 4-1, and just walks to the net and shakes hand with Paolo Lorenzi. And it all happened in the span of about 15-20 minutes, and it was just completely nuts. And again. He, he, Noah's gotten so much attention rightfully so and deservedly so for everything he's done with behind the racket talking you know giving a, a voice for so many players about um, kind of the behind the scenes here on court and for him to have that moment uh, a very public blow up and so unlike him it was it was shocking to see uh, on top of it this is a man you know the joke is always he can just keep running for days and today his legs seized up before Paolo Lorenzi who's 37 years old um so so to see that the whole thing was just shocking, uncharacteristic, um, and Lorenzi I actually said I think at five six in the in the second set, I said, if he's just able to get into a third set, you never know what's gonna happen. I just didn't expect Ruben to have that kind of a blow up um the way it happened.
0: You're in broadcast mode, but we should say this yeah. is a swearing friendly uh podcast. Okay. So if you need All to right. let that F bomb rip go well, for sh- it much like Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly um but one of my favorite moments today in cation commentary after no rubin gets broken at love in that third set you said well that seems like that game was set five minutes ago and you're absolutely you're absolutely right no rubin just you know as you mentioned this is a guy known for being mentally locked in for his work ethic for the fact that he knows he's going to have to scrap down so many balls if he wants to win and it just came unglued today very uncharacteristic uh now he's got a ton of time to you know get back in the hunt for this wild card, and with his ranking, he should get into every challenger he enters. I do... Yeah, he's he does have, uh, real quick, just he does have the points to defend next
2: week in Tallahassee, the winner there um, one year ago, so obviously that's, you know, factoring in a little bit on top of it. Right now, he's without a coach, just parted with his coach, Carlos Bonatsky, um, so that's relatively new. He's got to try to set a new course in that That way as well. So, you know, a lot of these guys dealing with those types of things, some fluidity within their, you know, behind the scenes stuff, and and sometimes it takes a toll um, on the court as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, And you could see it again. He's not a guy who's cracking his racket. So all of that starts to accumulate. I do want to move on to two of the other young guys who have now put themselves in tremendous positions. Uh, two guys, one who has already uh, turned pro, the other still considering college, but after the results like he's had this week, you have to wonder if he's reconsidering that decision. Sebastian Corda and Jensen Brooksby. Brooksby today loses 7 6 in the third to number 8 seed Peter Polanski, while Sebastian Corda fights off uh, against Alexander Vukic, 6 4, I want to start with Corda. I know that was your last match of the day and i got to watch mm-hmm. the end of that as well i also know alex vukic a player near and dear to your illinois heart so sure you know try you know keep the bias out of it but, but <laughs> no just... I, I always say and somebody
2: actually asked me about that right after the match and i say listen i i, I have a great relationship with with sebi as well I, I always like to just say that if as long as both players feel like they they competed at the
0: level that they're happy with you know everything else is fine (laughs) I'm I'm that's what I like to hear that's why you're the best well in terms of Sebastian Korda I described him yesterday as a young Fabio Fognini just the firepower he can elicit off of any ground stroke and you know for Vukic today he looked like he was moving comfortably on the clay but Korda just kept attacking this is his home tournament Uh, what has have you seen from him that's allowed him to have as much success as he has this week it's interesting. I,
2: I think he is a, a very clean ball striker. Um, he, In that sense, the fluidity with which he moves, the fluidity, fluidity with how he hits both sides um, was fun to watch. His forehand was not sharp today, um, especially going with that inside-in forehand. It almost seemed like he was a half-second late on some of the uh, forehands that he was trying to go cross-court with um, that they ended up kind of shaky up the line it wasn't the sharpest performance from him that I've actually seen on the week that being said are you going to die right now or are you okay <laughs>
0: no that was just a hot take I, I, I mean I more. listen no, I know that, sorry. that <laughs> uh,
2: but it, it, I, today was not his sharpest performance what impressed me today though um, was how he competed in the third set he struggled with a shoulder issue all day long um, and just kept finding ways to scrap together holds in some big moments coming up with that big first serve a return that he needed and he he's so streaky right now it's standard for an 18 year old you know you kind of expect it but he found just the the fortitude to come up with some big moments at at the biggest times and and that was what impressed me today um, he's going to have a very tough one with marcus giron who's had a fantastic 2019 it's far from a, a comfortable surface for Marcos Um, but I I, I do give the I tip my cap right now to Marcos just for finding ways to win as well and I I have to think he's just going to be a little bit fresher than Sebi who also was in a final in a 15k in Sunrise uh, Florida on Sunday Um, but we'll see I, I just don't know how fresh Sebastian's going to be coming into tomorrow, but you just have to be very impressed with how he competed uh, the last couple days. Three set wins over James Ward and today over Alex Vukic.
0: I don't remember if it was the 3-all or 4-all game in that third set, but Korda faced a bunch of break points, and he kept kept finding big serves to the Vukic backhand, which is obviously the side you want to target. uh, To his credit as well, kept peppering that Vukic backhand side, even if Alex was moving around it. He had a game plan he stuck to it, and for someone who's nineteen years old that 's incredibly impressive
2: yeah no i I think long term, you have to be very impressed today, especially not winning with his a game. It was his B game, maybe his C game um, and and those are kind of those those moments that really click um, for me as a broadcaster, just seeing that ability to get through those type of matches, how you compete in the big moments, um, so I think moving forward that 's a huge sign for him. Um, and and I, he's got the pedigree. He's got the the body type. Um, he's going to be fine long term. But this this is kind of one of those big moments for him. First challenger win. First challenger quarter final now. And yeah, it's it's going to be a fun matchup tomorrow with Marcos Giron.
0: And we look forward to watching it real quickly on Jensen Brooksby. I know you didn't get the chance to call his match today. You had him earlier in the week against Jared Hiltzik. Hiltzik kind of struggled in that match, but still credit to Brooksby. Uh, Jared Hiltzik physically is as tough an out as you're going to get on the challenger level. And just for him to reach a round of 16 here, it's a guy who's committed to Baylor. He obviously still has that card to play, but you've got to be happy if you're Jensen Brooksby, right?
2: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's a great week. Um, same thing for him, picking up his first challenger main draw victory. Um, obviously, is has been coached by Joe Gilbert, who's done a lot of great work with Colin Altamirano as well. Um, I, I, I think he should stay and go to school. Um, I, I don't know that he's physically developed and ready um, for the pro tour. Not too many players are. Um you take a Sebastian Corda just the in, in terms of just having been up at the highest levels internationally and with dad and and obviously the finances are a little bit more secure. Obviously that's not something that Jensen Brooksby has. It's not something that very many people at all have. Um he seems like he's in a very good direction. Um, but I also think he seems to be one of these guys who has the ability to come in, play one, two um, for a a good team, a good program in Baylor. I wish he would have gone to TCU, but that's a different story. Um, And I I think he's going to really benefit from, one, two years at school, the strength and conditioning that goes along with that. And on top of it, the ability to win a lot of matches um, over a couple of years, just learning how to win, like I was talking about with Sebastian, winning with your your B game, your C game. Um, I think that's going to actually pay off in the long run. He just doesn't have a lot of professional experience yet. He obviously got a Futures title a few weeks ago with a win over Alex Vukic as well. Um, but he, gosh, he's going to be really good. He's so, you know, his capability right now of making so many balls and making you work, when he adds a little bit more of that offensive capability, you know, he's going to be a very tough out um, down the road. I think it would be you know, useful for him to just have a year or two in school.
0: I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but my freshman sure. year of college, I saw Cam Norrie at Michigan when he came to do his official visit and he was committed yeah. to Michigan for a time. I won't yes. say where I saw him and what the circumstances were. Yeah. Uh but let's just say this is TCU getting its reckoning. That was a different situation.
2: <laughs> no, and I can I can because the the reason that Cam Norrie I um, know left Bruce, Burke, Michigan. Bruce Burke gone. Yeah. Bruce Burke got fired. That's a different, different story completely.
0: Look, if you're going to poke holes in my jokes, they're not going to work.
2: Yeah, I'm not going. I'm <laughs> not going to allow that. Bruce, Bruce is a good friend of mine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He has some Illinois ties as well. So that that one I know really hurt. He actually, gosh, yeah, he told me about this kid. He's just like this kid is so good. Um, <laughs> he's he, he's just like we we got an absolute steal here. And so I just I had this name in my head, Cam Norrie, like who's this, you know, random guy, you know, could to come play for Michigan, but he's like, you're just going to, this kid, he's, he is special. Um, and then all of a sudden Bruce gets fired and I, I didn't think about Cam Norrie for about a year and a half and all of a sudden he's, you know, crushing everything. Um, and I, I think, you know what, listen, Brooksby could be that kind of a guy too. He's, he's, you know, has, has done well at a national level here, has not had that same international success, I don't think yet. Um, but listen, you go and, and, and under a good coach and Brian Boland, um, in a good program that's kind of on the on a very quick rise with Bolin being there, I, I think it's a very good development for him. And, and again, a year or two of seasoning down there in Waco, uh, it's scary, uh, but, you know, all the best to him.
0: That's the thing you have to like most. Physically, he's nowhere near a finished product. And so once he gets that movement going, you know, who knows what can happen. Yes, and so, yeah, I completely agree with you. I never turned down a season of college. What's that worst that happened? You have a semester of fun? I don't ask Sam or well, right the, now the, at Florida.
2: The worst the worst you, that could happen is you do have an injury, and I certainly understand that. But if you're not under financial pressure to go make money right now, listen, you're not going to do that too often as an 18, 19-year-old on a professional tennis tour anyway. So yeah, at, at worst, you're going to get a college degree.
0: In my religion, we say diane. I agree. And and on the topic of Bruce Burr, credit to him for what the turn or <laughs> not the turnaround, but the job he's done at Texas yes. this season, just writing the ship. Uh, so final thought on him. All right, two guys. I said it was going to be ten to fifteen. Rory, at the twenty-two minute mark. All good. All good. The last generations of Americans who played today, and they're not all exactly the same age, but I'm lumping them together. Bjorn for Tangela loses in three sets today, six mm. four one six six three, after winning a buster yesterday. Tennis Sandgren, whose match with Ryan Shane, you're more than welcome to comment on, because that was a doozy. Wins today over Klezar, 6-2. Marcos Giron, as you mentioned, coming off of a great uh, result at Indian Wells. Has momentum on his side. Finally healthy. Knocks off Laxon in 7-6, 1-6, 6-3. You can get lost in the Tommy Pauls and the Brooksbys and the Cordas, but this generation of Americans, as we mentioned, they're solidifying themselves in the top 150.
2: Yeah, and um, the Sangren win today was expected. He tripped himself up at, at times early in that match. Um, once he got mentally locked in, he was fine. Um, then that second set, he was it was a class above Clayzar, um, and I expect that from him. Uh, it was good to see him just mentally turn that on. Um, Marcos, uh, it, it, he he can look very lost at times on clay, and he did in his straights that went over Rinderneck. To beat Henry in on the clay here, where Henry's had some success uh, on the green Harchu surface, that surprised me. I expected Loxanen to actually win that in two, and I would have said that to Marcos if he asked me afterwards today. Um, <laughs> so so for Marcos to compete, and that's what's been so fantastic from him today, is his just willingness to put in the time, the effort, and has gotten so much better. A, a 6-3 in the third win over Henry in is huge. For Tangelo's loss today, was a that was a rough one to watch um mostly because he didn't make Andrea Colorini play um, in that third set 6-3 in the third four the Argentine and and Bjorn struggled just finding returns and making Colorini hit a second a third ball um, and that's kind of those the, the one of those matches that haunts you for a while um, and and For 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 Tangelo, the fact that Hugo Delian, actually the top seed, the defending champion, lost today, this would have been a wide open uh, opportunity to get into the semifinal, and and I I think that one's going to haunt him for a little bit. Uh, A guy who I think, if you're looking at the Americans in terms of the wild card into the French, you have to put him as one of the top two, three guys. I I think Paul and and, uh, Sangren... Probably the other guys who are right there, Noah Rubin right with him as well. So maybe four guys that I think I'd put as my favorites heading into the wildcard race. Um, So for him to have a a disappointing loss against a a guy who's not really had a ton of challenger-level success, that one hurts. Um, So we'll have to see how he regroups next week in Tallahassee.
0: I agree with both of your points on Fratangelo and Sandgren. The only thing I'd like to add on the Girone front— His serve is always something he's going to play with today, really helping his performance. Nine aces against two double faults, making 61% of his first serve, 71% win percentage on those first serve points, 56% on the second serve points. Another guy who saved nine of the 12 break points you saved. Sometimes when you're confident, it it just works, and he's serving himself out of the, the toughest moments, the biggest moments is a guy who loves to attack, obviously, and for Girone, you can tell he's finally healthy because of the way he's sliding into his ground strokes on the clay. Just with no hesitation, he feels confident in his ability to start and stop, and it's why I feel like I haven't seen him play a full, healthy clay court season as a professional, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he has these next couple of months.
2: Yeah, and and I think that's a great point. Um, and and he's going to be the one who gets Sebastian Korda tomorrow. His coach, um, Peter Lukasen, was actually watching the entirety of the match um, today, the Korda-Vukic match, and was just a bit surprised, again, about the forehand from Korda. Um, So if you do get to watch the match, and unfortunately it's not going to be on my streaming court, it's going to be over on a secondary stream, uh, second match after 10, But expect um, Marcos to just try to get into some forehand-to-forehand battles. um, And and I think he's going to be just kind of expecting Sebi to take the ball, the forehand up the line a lot. Um, so we'll see how Corda adjusts to that, and we'll see if Marcos is just going to just want to stay in that particular lane throughout the day and how much success he has, because I think that Corda forehand did break down at times today. So see how that matchup plays out, particularly tomorrow, again, that second after 10 Eastern time.
0: Well, you mentioned the matches tomorrow, and we can wrap up here. We have Carrots yep. versus Collinari, uh, Collarini—sorry, Collinari—I don't know what I'm thinking. Tommy Paul That's versus Lorenzi, Girone versus Korda. Polanski versus Sandgren. Uh, for our listeners who want to check those out, where can they find all that action? And any any final thoughts on those matchups tomorrow?
2: Yeah, I. So we have on our our center court, our commentary court. Tommy Paul, Paolo Lorenzi. I I I think Tommy Paul takes that in straights um Lorenzi as a cockroach he finds ways to just survive um but Tommy Paul should win that in 2 um Sangren Polanski these guys are are good friends they've played each other countless times um i i, I have no clue
0: i i <laughs> like, just love that's that. one
2: of those just like okay let's roll the dice let's see what happens
0: i used to criticize tennis Sangren's game because i'm not a fan of backhand slices and he hits a lot of them Mm -hmm. But he hits less of them now, and the way he's able to move on the clay is special. So I'm really a fan of seeing him on the surface.
2: Especially for his size. Yeah, exactly. Um, For me, though, you'll see within the first couple of games how focused he is on the tennis as opposed to the external stuff. Um, Peter Polanski is going to just continue to compete. Um, he struggled closing out matches. In fact, he, he almost gave away four match points today against Brooksby. Um, but I, I think that'll be a good one. These two know each other incredibly well, um, and compete very well from the baseline. I, I tend to think that Sandgren, just the diversity a little bit more on the clay that he has will pay off, um, just in terms of the touch, the off-speed stuff. So we'll see how that one plays out. Guiron Corda is a match I would love to watch. Um, and I'm sorry I don't get to watch it. So hopefully I'll, I'll have time tomorrow night to watch it on tape.
0: Yeah, well I I'll do this for you. I will watch that match with you in mind. And I'll try not yeah. to distract you, but I'll text you updates. I'll say, ooh, brutal brick from Garonne or you know, stuff I like that. I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's the least I could do for telling you to come on for ten minutes and we're at the thirty minute mark. Well then No worries. I mean I've got a nice cold drink here. It's, it's a great it's a great Thursday night. I'm not gonna lie. My family went to Sarasota all the time. Back in the day that was my grandma yeah. had a place there, so that's where we would always go for vacations. Oh, downtown sarasota just a beautiful place the run over that bridge in the morning i know you don't have time to do that but it is just gorgeous
2: yeah it's it's interesting i I've, I've i've really not had time to explore sarasota there are some cities where i do um, this has just never been one of them, and and I, I I'm disappointed about that. But uh, we actually end early tomorrow because there's a threat of rain, so maybe I'll just drive around in the rental and uh, take a look.
0: Oh, there's Smuggler's Cove on are on Tamiami right by the airport. Great putt putt course. Tamiami? Yeah, Tam isn't Tamiami Road. Tammy, Ammy. Okay, got it. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's right by the airport. I, I guess. Yeah. Why would you know Sarasota roads? I don't know why I said it so matter-of-factly. I
2: get people. We you. If you go to a tennis tournament, you just get so stuck in like, okay, I know how to get to Starbucks. <laughs> I know like the one restaurant. Like I'm three miles away from the courts at Laurel Oak, and it's like okay, there's the Starbucks, there's the Chili's, there's the Publix. That's the, the grocery store. Uh, I got a Smoothie King right there. And that's all I need. Like that's it's just like okay, courts, Airbnb, courts, Airbnb. (laughs) Tomorrow I actually have time. I'll see what I can do. If the I don't think I'm going to go to Tamiami though.
0: (laughs) Are finals on Saturday or Sunday?
2: Finals are on Sunday. Every challenger final this year is on Sunday.
0: Oh, beautiful! Here, Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Farmers Market empanada stand you won't be disappointed we got matches we have uh, matches uh, send uh send a twitter follower we're, we're that rabid vacation <laughs> crazies would happily yeah, do it sure. for you
2: all right i'm yeah I'll, I'll have them get some some stuff from the farmer's market for me. Uh,
0: perfect well then we will wrap things here where can our listeners find you what's your upcoming schedule looking like
2: yeah so this week in sarasota tallahassee next week uh will be in savannah my favorite stop on the tour um just in terms of the city in the third week. And um, it's actually really exciting. I know this week we're on Tennis Channel Plus. Uh, I believe we're going to be on Tennis Channel Plus the next couple of weeks as well. S- a couple of moments where we'll be on um, the full Tennis Channel. Um, but most importantly, you can go to the USTA Pro Circuit webpage. Find us there. You can also find us on livestream.com. Let me know where you're at by tweeting at me, Mike C. Tennis. And I'm, I'm trying to be better with my my Instagram i'm trying but like i'm just so i'm lazy uh but i'm trying to post a few more pictures so mike cation is my instagram
0: smugglers cove on tamiami great photo opportunities okay uh, yeah <laughs> it, do i
2: have to bring my rum because i've got some in the fridge
0: well there's a walgreens uh superstore right across the street so do I, I, I i've to already do. bought some I, I mean i have it i don't need to buy more I just really need to play putt-putt is what this is showing. But Mike, Mike I think Kaysen, you've got issues. Yeah, as you mentioned, at Mike C. Tennis. If you want to hear more from him, check out the live streaming. Check his, out his podcast, The Cation Cast. Check out his website, MikeCation.com, where you can find out so much more about his incredible philanthropic efforts, forehands for philanthropy, a benefit for Crisis Nursery. Uh, we talked about that when we had you on the cracked interviews, but it's still an awesome cause, so please go check that out. Mike, don't be a stranger these next couple of weeks. We should try to do this every week. Uh, you know what? I, I
2: next week's going to be challenging, but we'll try to make it happen. Yeah, next week has night matches, so it'll be tough, but yeah. we'll we'll make it happen.
0: Well, thank you so much, and we look forward no worries. To, good luck, uh, and, and we look forward to listening to you on the play by play.
2: All right, I'll send you a picture from Tammy Emmy.
0: <laughs> awesome. Take care, Mike. Thank you for listening to my conversations with Cale Hammond and Mike Cation about all of the going-ons in the tennis world. I will remind you listeners one last time, if you have missed anything, go check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. Our team doing a tremendous job, as always, doing their best to keep you up to date with all things going on in the tennis world. You know, we've got a fun weekend ahead of us. I believe it's Easter weekend for some. For others, it's the beginning weekend of Pesach, or as the laymen say, Passover. Uh, so all of our religious uh, listeners, anyone who's celebrating something this weekend, congratulations to you. We hope you enjoy yourself. But if your family gets annoying, check out one of the many podcasts we've got presenting on the Cracked Rackets front. I know I like to sneak off in the middle of family dinners. I will for sure be listening to our Crack Interviews podcast, our GSPs, catching up on mini breaks from earlier in the week. Of course, got to listen to our our newest podcast What the Deuce Christian Harris having a ball doing something completely different from our other podcasts so go give that a listen rate, subscribe, review like all of those podcasts as well share them with your friends maybe you have a family member who's also a tennis fan who you haven't seen in a while and you know what's the best icebreaker hey you know who's more annoying than you cousin Alex Gruskin of the Mini Break podcast trust me uh, you should listen to him he will inspire hate and rage in you the same way he does in me and that's a great icebreaker great way to spend some time with your family so give those a listen this weekend as i mentioned crack instagram facebook youtube twitter you know the deal by now uh but a huge shout out to our super producers max fligner and daniel westoff as always been f- editing jobs to do but for my wonderful guests kale hammond and mike kation for our super producers max fligner and daniel westoff and for our entire team at Cracked rackets i'm your host alex gruskin you know what we say after an episode like this that's the break And we hope you enjoy your holiday weekends, everyone. Take care.